Hi, I'm Cassie, and welcome to our podcast, Unveiled, Real Talk for Real People. While I am a licensed clinical social worker, licensed in the state of Indiana, I can't give you any advice about your particular struggles. Anything that is discussed in this podcast are generalities not meant to specifically advise you. The information discussed here is intended to be educational and inspirational. If you are seeking professional support, message either myself or Stephanie, and we can help you locate a therapist in your state. Or you can talk to your doctor or trusted friends, or use a directory such as Psychology Today or the Center for Apostolic Counseling. And again, we hope you enjoy this episode of Unveiled. we are going to talk about hiding from our emotions and um, putting up a front and pretending we're okay when we're really not. You don't do that, do you? Oh, I do that all the time. Oh, she's going to be honest. I was going to say, I don't do that at all. That's not me. That's not me. I think we all do it at one point or another, Stephanie. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I definitely think we're all part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think we don't want people to really know what's going on so we try to hide from it yeah and I think it causes way more damage than anything you know um I remember you know back before therapy um you would ask me like hey what's wrong nothing what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah like there's nothing wrong with me like I had you know and and even after like my SI I'll never forget when things came out they were like we thought you had everything together we thought your life was perfect Mm -hmm. they said we didn't even know you were struggling they said you would come to church and be there and yeah we they sat three rows behind me yeah no idea and i think yeah and i think that just goes to show like how much we hide and how much we put up a front Mm -hmm. to pretend we're okay all because I don't know about for you, Stephanie, but for me, I wanted it to seem like I was perfect and I was very well put together. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want to help. I wanted, you know, to be the problem solver, the savior, you know, not necessarily, you know, saving your soul kind of thing, but that let me come to the rescue and help you in your time of need and let me give you everything that I have. Mm -hmm. And really, in reality, for me, I was screaming on the inside, like, I just want help. I'm drowning and I don't know how to ask for help. Yeah. You know, but if I showed it, I was weak. That's what my biggest thing was, is I didn't want to appear weak. Yeah. My opinion growing up, you know, and into my adulthood, if you ask for help, you're weak. You got to do it on your own. You got to survive. You know, when my mom passed, I think that's where my, you know, biggest problems came. What I had to pick up so much stuff when my mom passed when I was 16 that I didn't have that asking for help wasn't there wasn't available for me really Mm -hmm. and stuff and so you know I think the biggest thing that I hid for myself was you know I hid the eating disorder for a long time nobody knew I would get comments you know oh you're getting really skinny and stuff like that and so um but I think that was my biggest yeah thing and I I hid it I think even for myself so I think Mm -hmm. that's where masks come involved that you you're so good at it that sometimes you you lie to yourself yourself. yeah yeah what about you I know I lied to myself a lot and was like "Eh, no I don't have an eating disorder (laughs) it's just it's a food problem like I'm trying to lose weight 
But the reality was it was an eating disorder. And I think once I admitted that to myself, mm-hmm. I was able to start the healing process. Yeah. I think when we take the mask off and show other people mm-hmm. that, hey, I do, I am struggling, whether it be pornography, eating disorder, anxiety, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, whatever it might be, yeah, you know, and we take that mask off, we can heal. We yeah. can start healing because we have now unmasked the enemy. The enemy wants to stay hidden. He wants that. Sure. He wants you to put that mask on your face and say everything's okay. Yeah. Because then he has a hold and a grip of your mind. And if he has that, then he's winning. Yeah. Whether you tell anybody or not and they don't know, he is winning. He, yeah, he wants to steal, steal you. Absolutely. And he'll do it any way he can. And some people, how he does that is through the mind. You know, and that's mm-hmm. where mine was, was he attacked me straight through my mind. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, sometimes, depending on what you're struggling with, there comes to a point where you just, you can't hide it anymore. Like, I know for me, I got to a point where I couldn't hide the eating dis- eating disorder anymore because it was so obvious. <laughs> you know, if you look at pictures of me during that time, then you'll be like, oh. <laughs> like, it, they would make you cringe. I still can't bring myself to look <laughs> at those pictures because they make me cringe. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think also you can have multiple masks on, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes you take a little bit of the mask off for some people and, like, you know they're struggling and they kind of know you a little, but you don't take it fully off. But then yeah. when I started actually taking my mask off, I realized that I didn't just have, like, one mask. I had multiple and multiple, but it was, like, 16 years of buildup mm-hmm. that I had gotten so good at hiding, you know. And you were talking about, like, how you like you didn't, you didn't couldn't hide anymore. Yeah. you There was no hiding that mask. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, um. You had to take it off, whereas I, I could have hid a lot more, a lot longer than what I did. Yeah, you know, I kind of, for my like, go back to my SI, that right there was something. An SI is a suicide ideation. Um, I was kind of not necessarily forced, like I wasn't forced to tell people, but I was forced to tell certain people. Like I was in a healthy. I don't know how to put that. Like as a a therapist was trying to, like, you have to have a plan in place before you leave yeah. the office kind of thing. So it wasn't necessarily, like, a bad thing they were trying to be like, you need to tell the entire world. No, it was that to keep me safe yes. kind of thing. Well, that's where, like, my mask really started coming off was when I told those five people, hey, I just am came in, coming out of the hospital with suicide ideation. I need some help. You know, and I think that was my biggest, like, breakthrough moment of, like, hey, I think it's okay to – to ask for help. Did it take me a while to do that? Absolutely. It took me yeah. a year later to even really start, like, full-fledged talking and stuff. And I would talk a few things to people in there and, you know, ladies group at church. But I wasn't fully open with everything that yeah. had happened in my life. Yeah. And I think in order to heal, you have to peel off all the layers of the mask and just be willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And be open. Otherwise, you're never going to heal. You'll be stuck in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of those things where, like, is it is it going to happen overnight? No. It's Absolutely not an not. overnight process. I wish it was. Uh, me too. Me too. But it uh, is not. No, I started therapy in 2020, three years, three years later, you know. Um, wow. 
Yeah, I started therapy right before the pandemic. Everybody, it was great. <laughs> it was great. I was an in-person person and then turned virtual. And I hate virtual. <laughs> Absolutely hate virtual. Sounds like that worked therapy. out really well. Uh, oh, it was hard. It was absolutely miserable and hard. But by us, I wasn't even during, like, 2020. It was during 2021. Yeah. You know? So, like, I was even in therapy. I was – I had a therapist who I saw. I don't remember if we were every other week at that point. I don't don't exactly remember if we were every week or every other week. Um, But so it even goes to show that you could be trying to unmask, but you can't because you just – you've held it in so long. You don't have no idea, like, how to do it. And you end up in a really super dark place in general. For sure. It's what's what's one of like the hardest masks? Like, did you have multiple masks, Cassie? I had on a mask of perfectionism. Like, um, so like it was drilled into me pretty much my entire life. Like, you gotta get good grades, nothing less than an A. You gotta do this, you gotta be that, you gotta look this way, you gotta act that way. And so I think I just had on that mask of perfectionism as well. And so it took me a while to admit, like, I'm not perfect, and I'm never going to be perfect. I like to say, like, I'm perfectly imperfect. That's good. Yeah, because Jesus is the only one that's ever exactly. going to be perfect. None of us are ever going to be perfect. We're human. Uh, like, if you would see my hair, like, my hair is all frayed and uh-huh. everything else. Like, I'm not, I'm not perfect whatsoever. Like, yeah. And I, feel, I always hate that one because, uh, you know, and I struggled with that too, you know, perfectionism. But I think a lot of people yeah. struggle with perfectionism. Because it's like we do want to be perfect mm-hmm. and we try so hard to be. But I think when we find, when we can finally admit to ourselves that we're not perfect, that's when I think we can really start to comprehend and understand who we really are and who God designed us to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good, you know, and a lot of people don't even think that that's a mask, like you're hiding behind it mm-hmm. and stuff, and really it is. It you definitely know, is. You look at it, you know, and I would have never thought that if it wasn't for therapy, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you go to therapy <laughs> and you learn so much. You and definitely really, do. They point out, like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. They don't hold back, and if your therapist holds back, then uh, you might want a new therapist, yeah. in my opinion. Because they'll point out, like, all your, like, you know, wrong thought processes and try to challenge that and get you to see yourself in a different, healthier way. Uh, Yeah. Whether you want it to or not. Mm -hmm. Whether you want them to point it out or not, they're going to point it out. But it works. (laughs) That's coming from a therapist, mind you. Um, Coming from a client of just a therapist, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it does work. And coming from a therapist who also sees a therapist. There you go. See, therapist, new therapist. Isn't that ironic? (laughs) But think about it, like, you guys see a lot of people. We do. We, we, we s- like, word vomit on you. Yes, so you need we someone. see a lot. We hear lots. We know a lot more than we probably should. <laughs> so we need someone as well to hold ourselves accountable and to hold us in check. Yeah, because not only, like, as a therapist, you hear all of it, but you also are HIPAA. So mm-hmm. you have that binding contract where you cannot talk about yeah. to your family your friends like you exactly you are buying contract exactly so. and sometimes it kills me to not talk to like my friends about it like there are days when I just I want to call up Stephanie and be like Stephanie I need to tell you this but I can't yeah because so of that good. HIPAA yeah so it's always good for like I think therapists should need a therapist whether mm-hmm. you guys like see one every other month or a couple months or you know whenever yeah you know, I do think that's a good a good idea just yes because you do you get a lot 
Yeah, like there was an interesting experience this week (laughs) (laughs) that I cannot share with Stephanie, and I want to. And now she's gonna like just leave that as a cliffhanger, everybody. So everybody Uh get prepared. There is a cliffhanger that you just fell off of (laughs) because she can't tell you, and she just left us all hanging, and we probably all lost our grip now. Oh yeah. So there's that problem there. Like she does that. So bad thing about therapy, as of being a therapist, that you can't. So and that's just hard in general. But, um, so what's another mask? Did you have another mask? Or is those, like, your two, like, your eating disorder um, perfectionism? Those are your two, like... Those are my two main masks. But, like, looking back and through the process of therapy, I feel like I had a mask on because I didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> I wanted to pretend everything was okay. That's the avoiding mask, everybody? Yes, so the avoidance. And we do. We want to avoid because we don't want to face the uncomfortable. No. Who wants to face the uncomfortable? I'd like to meet you. If you like to face the uncomfortable, please reach out to us, and I'd like to have an interview with you. Yes. Um, we would love to interview you for the podcast if you like to get out of your comfort zone. Yes. Because yes. we are creatures of habits. We are creatures of comfort. Oh, my goodness gracious. When God is like, Stephanie, you need to move out of your comfort zone, I'm like, <laughs> wrong, Stephanie, God. Right. How many times do we go to church and God encourages us to pray for somebody that we've never prayed with before, we don't know, so, mm-hmm. but we don't because it's uncomfortable for us. Well, let's take it a step further than that because we're a creature of habit, right? You mm-hmm. sit in the same spot, you oh, talk yes. to the same people, you sit in the same row, you go the same direction, you walk in the same door. You show up at church the same time every week. <laughs> like, that's that's a creature of habit. Like, you have done, done your routine, you told God, mm-hmm. this is how it's going to work, you know? So, like, God's like, when someone sits in your spot, you're like, okay, um... What do um, I do? Like, yep. You have to go find a whole new spot. <laughs> yes. You know. Like, so Stephanie, don't... there's been times when we've had to end up on the front row, and Stephanie did mm. not like that. No, I don't. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of sitting on the very front <laughs> row. So <laughs> we go to Calvary Tabernacle here in Indianapolis, and we're massive. It's We're so big. And people get dark. We have a gathering space now that has a coffee and stuff. You yeah. have coffee and tea and things like that before church and so we have a lot of people now that come early to socialize, to talk. So yeah. it's great. They'll I show up like an hour it. and a half to an hour yeah, early. it's wonderful. It is. That. Like, I think it's wonderful. And I show up early, too. Together. I don't. I get there when I need to. Um, <laughs> I live five minutes from the church, so. Yeah. But, like, so it's it's wonderful aspect. So definitely not th- saying that it's mm-hmm. wrong. But it's so funny because people will show up, like, two hours early, and they'll put their jacket, their Bible. They'll mm-hmm. have seats all over. No yeah. one's sitting there at all. But you walk down and you'll see Bible after Bible, purse after purse. I think one time I saw a shoe. I was yep. like, I wonder what they're walking around in. I've seen single mint spread out across the yes. pew. Oh, yes. Mints are used quite often. Yes. Quite so often. And I get there early to save our seats. She does. She does. <laughs> and uh, Cassie and then our, our other mutual friend that we have sits, all of us sit together and um, she does. She spreads out her, her uh, she's one of the jacket people. Not yes. sure what she's going to do in the summertime. But, um. It'll probably be my Bible and my journal. Yeah, yeah so she saves the seats. Yeah, I, I get there. I think I need to be there. If I'm not playing in the orchestra, like, we have prayer for the single middles at, like, 6.15. So I get there about 6.10, 6.05. Yeah. If I'm there before then, it's because I have practice or I've been asked to come early. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're trying to find me at Calvary, you just wait until after church. Yeah. But then you better grab me. You, yes. You have to grab. <laughs> if you need me or Stephanie, if you go to Calvary, you better grab us because we run out the door <laughs> as soon as church is over. I have learned how to maneuver through IBC very well. <laughs> um, and I can just go in and out and I'm out the door. Somebody said they were trying to come to me 
and they got caught by somebody else, and they turned around, and I was already out the door. Like, yeah, yep. That's it. You got to catch us fast. Yeah, yeah. So that's another creature of habit. Yeah. I like to just, but that actually came, um, me leaving early like I do, actually came from, you know, when I was in severe depression. I didn't want to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want anything to do with you. I just was coming to interpret for the deaf and leave. Yeah. That was it. I wasn't really there for anything yeah. else. Because, and I had gone, so mind you, in the depression, you know, I was praying, reading the Bible, I would go to the altar, get prayed for, I would, you know, all the stuff, but it was still there. Yeah. But nobody knew. So, like, where Cassie had those, I had, like, a mask of my depression. Like, I would put on the happy face. I remember when my mom passed, um, and I can remember the fill. I didn't know what depression was exactly. I was 16. Mm-hmm. I had never heard those terms before, depression and anxiety and panic attacks. Um, I, I, but I probably had depression. I probably had onset depression at 16 when my mom passed. Um, but I remember being told, man, you're always so happy. I'm so glad you're doing good after your mom passed. In reality, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was, I was absolutely, I was in so much denial when mom yeah. passed. People would ask me, um, how's your, how are you doing after your mom? Oh, mom, mom's fine. She's just at the store. If I was home, she was at the store. If I was somewhere else, she was home. It's the only way I could cope to get through my my sophomore year. I had like one month left. Well, not really a month. I had like a couple of weeks, maybe like four weeks, three weeks. Four weeks would be a month, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go back to high school. <laughs> anyway, it's like so I had you know maybe a month left of school. Yeah. So in order for me to process and get through those exams of high school, like that's I had to. She was still alive to me, and which probably absolutely now that I look back, I wish I would have never done that. I might not have been as horrible that summer you know when mom passed but I had learned to put that like okay if I look okay then I'm okay and everybody thinks I'm okay so that max instantly at 16 came on that was it and so from then on anytime I wasn't okay I didn't know how to deal with it so I would push it and put it in a little box and put a mask on you know so I feel like I had like layers of masks when I started um, healing things um I really felt like there was just a lot of masks on my face. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I know that's, like, ironic, you know, but there's so many different masks. Like, I had masks of anxiety. You couldn't tell me I had anxiety. Like, I think I started talking a little bit more anxiety later on um, when I finally figured out what anxiety was. So I was like, I think I have anxiety. So I, like, self-diagnosed myself kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my doctor later on diagnosed me of anxiety. But, yeah, so I had, like, that and then depression. And then hmm. suicidal thoughts had been there for a while. And nobody knew. Like, I had talked a little bit about, like, a little suicidal thoughts, you know, but they weren't that. What's that other form? Like, you have the thoughts, but you don't want to harm yourself. Isn't there, like, a name? They were, like, passive. Yeah, something like that. And so, um, but, yeah, so they were just there. Like, I wasn't trying to. But, you know, I talked a little bit, but no one really knew that I had, like, suicidal thoughts in general. You know, and then when it happened... Nobody would have guessed. Hmm. I remember someone else said, like, out of everybody we thought would have had something like that, you were the last person. You had everything put together. Yeah. I'd heard that so many times in my life. You had everything put together. I didn't. Hmm. You would have walked hmm. into my house and... <laughs> and I am I am a very, like, OCD kind of person. <laughs> my spice drawer is in alphabetical order. It's in clear jars. They're the same type of jars. I have... I'm that person that takes a cereal box and 
takes the cereal out of the cereal box and puts it in another box. Mm. I'm that person, okay. So, like, I had all of that organized and stuff. But if you were to walk in my house, which I was in French Passy when it happened, um, but if you were to walk in Passy, it would be a hot wreck. Clothes, everything. Yeah. Dishes piled. Like, and I feel like we don't talk about that either. We don't. That's another form of we, depression. Yeah, we don't talk about, like, the harsh reality of depression, like, mm-hmm. that you can, like, get to this place. If you're generally a neat person, you can get to this place where you're just done. And you don't care what anything looks like anymore. Yeah. You're yeah. done being organized. You're done being orderly. You're so tired. You're so tired. But you step outside of your house and the mask comes back on. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to brace yourself. I remember when I would um, come home. It was like a weight. Like I was like, oh. Just I couldn't just like not do anything. You I felt had, like you could be yourself. Yeah. I, I really like struggled all day and I had to mm-hmm. like put a face on and laugh and joke and I yeah. mean, reality. I was just like Yeah. So you so much pain. You could come back home and go back into your depression. Yeah, which was horrible. Like Yeah. I should have never have been left alone, you know, at home. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have gone, you know, that far down the road. But, you know, that just goes to show that, you know, we leave the house and we have to put on a facade. You know, we have to have mm-hmm. our hair just right, our clothes just right. Yeah. Know, we don't want anybody asking questions. We don't want to talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that avoid. You were talking about the avoidance. Yeah. Thing. Like, that's where the avoidant hats come on. Yep. You just want to avoid the problem, avoid the situation, and move on with life. For sure. And some people don't care. They'll step out of their house in sweatpants. Their hair's a mess. Mm-hmm. And their shirts have stains on it because they're just, they're at that point in their depression where it's like they're done pretending. Yeah. And they don't care anymore. Yeah, I think I had started to, like, get to that point, but not really. Mm-hmm. But, like, I wasn't showering all the time. Yeah, that's another thing, thing, the hygiene. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. it's just, you know, so you have all these, like, different masks. And I think going back to, you know, the eating disorder, as Cassie was saying, like, I refuse to tell you I had an eating disorder. Yeah. I did not have a problem. Nope. Yeah. I was like, how can I have? I'm still eating. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, well, I already have, I had an SI, I had anxiety, I have depression. Oh my goodness, like, Yeah. what else was I supposed to add to my bag? And, yeah, and my thoughts were, like, with my eating disorder, oh, I'm still eating. I eat a bowl of oatmeal every night before I go to bed, like, so I don't well, have yeah. an eating disorder. Yeah, that's what I was like, I ate a thousand calories. I would argue yeah. with my therapist all the time, I eat a thousand calories, I eat. Like, when the reality is you need 1,800 to 2,000 calories a day. For real, and that sounds like a lot, it does, it does. Uh, and I still struggle with that. I do too. Day, you know. Yeah. I really struggle with you know the calorie count. I can't. I can't. I will never be able to calorie count again. Yeah. Um, I I counted every single thing, every little bit. Yeah. Of my calories, where I can pretty much almost tell you exactly like mm-hmm. how much things are, how many calories are in something. Yeah. You know. And so it's that kind of yeah thing, and so. And I can't calorie count either because if I calorie count, like, like let's say I decide I want to eat a chocolate candy bar. If I look at the calories on it, I won't eat it. So I can't look at the calories on something because if I know, then I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. And that's what, you know, you know, that's another mask where we were both in avoidance mm-hmm. of our eating disorder and things of that nature where we didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want to tell you we had a problem. Mm-hmm. We hated our body. 
we hated, you know, how we looked. And I'm, I guess I'm kind of speaking. From yeah, no. Voice, so. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, Cassie, but, you know, yeah. from our conversations, it's kind of that aspect. And, and we're yeah. both shaped very differently. Like, yeah. If you ever see pictures of us, we are shaped very different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet we both hated, like, yeah. our body. Like, no offense to Cat Cassie has <laughs> ever heard me say this to her. But there's some way, like, how, like, slender she is. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I wish my body was like <laughs> I have curves. Yeah. You know, I have hips and, you know, big thighs and big legs. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. And I don't know how Cassie feels. That's not to be. Yeah, Cassie no. is perfectly wonderful to me, the way God made her. Yeah. Um, so that's not saying anything but, negative about Cassie, yeah. but it's that whole aspect of we want what, what someone else has. Yeah. And, like, for me, like, another piece to it, too, was, like, I had no confidence in myself, but growing up, confidence was something I always struggled with Mm -hmm. like I hated who I was like not only what I looked like but who I was as a person I was the type of person that would be at like family get-togethers or church events and I would be the girl sitting in the corner by herself reading a book because I had no confidence in myself and I didn't want to be accused of saying something stupid oh yeah yeah, so there. even though like I know what I have to say is good, I just I always felt like yeah I would be criticized for what I said. Yeah, I get that. I get that really. Mm-hmm. And which is so wrong that we have to like do that. And I think you know as a child that grows up like oh I have to put on a fake facade. Like mm-hmm. I don't really have confidence, but how do I get through the situation? Yeah, you know. And so it's like that whole. I remember going through situations where. I would have freakouts, you know, when I became a program manager, that was really hard when I took on the position, because I'm not someone who has, I probably have more confidence now in myself than I've ever had in my life, but when I took it on, it was that whole, I can't be confident, like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dumb, I'm that whole, like, negative, like, self-talk, yeah, and stuff, but I had to put on this, like, whole facade of, of hiding how I really felt, and just sat quietly, so in order for me to get through those situations I refused yeah. to talk yeah. I didn't talk I didn't want to talk yeah because I was so scared that yeah oh they're gonna see the fault in me and they're gonna like yeah. take my position away and it's just and I always felt like invisible like mm-hmm. I could be in a room of 500 people and still feel like I was the only person in that room yeah and I feel like you know with the eating disorder I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes you know before I met Cassie I really felt alone yeah you know in the church itself um that I was the only one that struggled, you know, with an eating disorder itself. And mm-hmm. then I, you know, met Cassie and I realized, wow, I'm not the only one in the church. For sure. You know, and there's other people, you know, but it's that whole point of we don't talk about it because mm-hmm. it's that taboo topic. And so there's that mask. We put yes. that mask on. <laughs> because know. we shouldn't struggle with food. Like, yeah, you know, and that, and that goes, and it's not just um, like, anorexia struggle either people struggle with binge eating or mm-hmm. you know indulging or you yes. know eating purging pur- that's the word i was trying to look yes for. um like purging you know we have those mm-hmm. struggles so there's like different forms of eating yeah. disorders as well and so and you can still have an eating disorder and look like you don't have one absolutely you know uh, i actually ran into a doctor at one point where i didn't look like i had an eating disorder and she let me know that like i had made up the whole thing it was great and wonderful um, but I was like, I'm diagnosed professionally. Like, it, I am not mm-hmm. di- self-diagnosis. I'm not self-diagnosed from a therapist. I am from a medical professional. Like, yeah, I was diagnosed. Like, I went through that entire thing. 
tennis shoes. If you're, you, well, you're just not, you know, 90 pounds. So? So I'm not 90 pounds. You don't also, have to be 90 pounds to have an eating disorder. You can weigh 200 pounds and still have an eating disorder. Absolutely. You know, and if you were to look at my legs, my legs have not ever changed. Like, my legs really, mm-hmm. if you go back and look at the pictures when I was at the smallest weight, 110, um, my legs were not super small. And, of course, like, we, w- we wear skirts, so you really can't see the legs, <laughs> like, right. and pants and stuff. And so that's actually, I was very thankful of that but yeah my legs never really changed so most of my weight comes from my legs which are a lot more muscle than anything but so it's that whole aspect of it doesn't matter what I weigh mm-hmm. I, I still had that yeah. you know and it's that whole point of it's okay we need to take the mask off we you do know? that goes back to and I think this is like my biggest pet peeve right now is we need to talk about it because what we realize, what we don't realize is that these masks also fall under fear because we are scared to take them off because we are scared to talk about it. So We're scared of the fear. judgment. Absolutely. And that's, that's fear. I think fear is one of those things that we don't realize is so much more than what it is because fear, I feel, I feel fear has so many names mm-hmm. that it can call itself. We fear judgment, you know, anxiety, other people's thoughts. You know, what other people think about me. Those are all those yeah. types of fears. And we don't think that those are, like, fears. We don't associate some of the stuff with fear mm-hmm. and everything. And so, yeah, I think for me, like, I didn't want to peel that mask off because I was afraid, well, what if I do tell people I have an eating disorder? They're going to tell me. They're going to validate all my feelings that I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or, or they're going to tell you, you just need to eat. Exactly. Oh, I got told that a lot, too. <laughs> I got told you just need to eat and not stop eating until you regain all your weight. I know. Like, that's really going to help. So we're just going to eat everything in sight and we'll just purge. I'll just eat it all in one sitting. That's not going to help. That's going to make you sicker. Absolutely. Like, and not only sick, but it's also going to make your mind because you're, like, going from I have to only eat this, I can only eat this, to now I got to eat this entire table (laughs) worth of food. Oh, my God. I remember my first, like, like, eating an actual, like, what you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have a pyramid anymore. Did you know that? They don't have the pyramid. I did not know that. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'll have to look that up. Yes, you will. Talk to Heidi. Um, Heidi goes to our church. Sorry, we usually don't say names. So my bad. I'll have to ask Heidi if we can, take, if we can actually ask her name. Hopefully we can. Sorry, Heidi. We're hoping we can get her on the podcast at <laughs> I some point. I would love that. She's a nutritionist. Anyways, um, yeah, so it's not a pyramid anymore. And I don't remember the whole pyramid. Like That's a whole thing that I'd have to look up. You know, elementary school, we used yeah, to the pyramid in the 90s. I don't remember the pyramid anymore You know, either. but it's a whole thing. But it's not. It's a plate now. And that's like really interesting. Plate. Yeah, the plate's really cool. If you don't know, look it up. Can't explain. I'm not a nutritionist. Maybe we'll have Heidi on and she can explain it. Anyways, but yeah, when I ate, like, that entire, like, plate and shown, this is what you're supposed to eat at every meal. I was like, heavens, no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's a lot yeah. of food. And they're like, no, it's what you're supposed to eat. Like, and I remember my therapist was like, you have to eat every four hours. Ooh. I was like, excuse me? She's like, yes. And I was like, uh, you lie. The devil <laughs> is a liar. I, yeah. And she breakfast, four hours later, lunch, four hours late, later, another snack. Oh, excuse me, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. Like, that was my whole day. Because I, I, so if you don't know my routine, it's like I, a very long day for me very very long day and so it's like i can eat all that mm-hmm. and to say it is like <gasps> so it's very scary yeah. for like me 
healthy. Say, yeah. That. You know, even still now, like I still like, am I eating too much? You know, yeah, that kind of thing. So that goes Same. like into recovery yeah. and stuff, which you'll hear on the next podcast. Yeah. I remember my first like few meals, like first full meals that I ate. I was terrified because I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to gain all this weight back in one day <laughs> when that was not the reality. Actually, in fact, I lost more weight when I started recovery before I started to gain Yeah. because my body was trying to get used to putting food back into it. Yeah. Now I'm not chasing rabbits. Cassie's chasing rabbits today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which you'll hear recovery. That's actually our next uh, episode is uh, yes. recovery. So that, that's really cool. So we'll go deeper into that. Absolutely. You know, back to like the whole mass thing. If, if you feel you have those mass, it's okay. Take mm-hmm. them off. It is okay to take that mass and put it on the table. And yes. Tell, you know, go to your pastor's wife. Go yeah. to your pastor. If they, yes, if they truly care about you, then there won't be any judgment. They'll just be like, okay, what can I do to help you get through this? Yeah, because it's, I mean, if we're struggling, we don't need to struggle alone, especially in the mental health mm-hmm. field, whatever that mental health looks like. There's so many different things that fall under that mental mm-hmm. health, you know, we don't have time to talk about today. But if you're struggling with those, go seek some help. You know, yes. definitely pray about it. We are oh. full. That's our first number one thing we should do is pray, pray. about it because God will lead you to where you need, you to, need go. to go. Because it might be a therapist, but it might just be your pastor or your pastor's wife to go mm-hmm. talk to them. You know, or it could be you have deeper trauma. Yeah, and if so, and if it's something like if you choose to go to your pastor and pastor's wife, and it's something they feel like, okay, I'm not equipped to do this, they will guide you where to go. Absolutely. And who to reach out to. Yeah, because they have the resources. They do. You know. Believe it or not, pastors do have resources. They don't, they, you know, they also send people to other people. Yes. You know, and that's okay. And I see it happen all the time. Yeah, because our pastors, you know, they only, they have, like, Calvary, you know, Pastor Carson has a lot of saints. That's a lot of people. <laughs> it definitely you is. Know? So when it gets like that kind of situation, like, he does have other people to help him. Not saying that you can't go see Pastor Carson, because he mm. will see you in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> but it's that kind of you know, whether it be like from Cassie's old church or my old church back in Mississippi, you know, they're going to tell you who to go to, you know, and they might be just equipped in certain things, you know, yeah. they might not know anything about mental health at all. So they might send you automatically to a, a therapist. Exactly. You know, and they're going to tell you how to find those therapists. Yes. And, you know, and they only want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't want any so, of those things to fail. They don't. Fall or anything like that. <laughs> Exactly. They really want you to succeed in life, and they want you to do it without those masks on. Yeah. You know, think about all those people that, you know, are watching you, who are coming into the church for the first time. They might need that to know, Mm -hmm. hey, it's okay. We're not perfect. For sure. And it's okay to struggle with A, B, C, D. God can take it, and God can turn it into dancing and make it so beautiful. Yes, he gave you your story for a reason. Absolutely, you know we each have our own unique story, our own walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, I had a tickle in my throat. <laughs> Sorry, but it's so important to take off the mask. We were never meant to hide. No, the enemy loves it when we mm-hmm. hide. Like that's that's one of the biggest things that the enemy. Yeah, because he wants you to hide, wants you to isolate, wants you to be alone. God does not. Right. Like, he, he made the church for a reason. He did. He 
wants so. to go. Go and find that. Go and find that. Take off the mask. Don't be afraid of the judgment. Um, Absolutely. And I think God will put the right people in your path that you're supposed to connect with to heal. Absolutely. And, I mean, and you can definitely find our email attached to the podcast. For sure. And things like that if you need help. Cassie can tell you where to go for therapy of that nature. For sure. And stuff. So if you're really not sure, you're just scared to ask anybody in your church. You know, I think I speak for both of us. To, you're welcome to reach out to us. Yes, reach out to well. us and we'll direct you with where to go and Absolutely. who to Absolutely. connect with. If you need a therapist, go to Cassie. <laughs> as long as you live in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, so sorry. Figure that out, edit that out. <laughs> Probably not. So, but anyways, thank you so much for today for listening and everything. Yes. Cassie, anything else? Thank you. No, just know you are amazing and you are loved and stop hiding. Absolutely. That's what I said. Okay. Until next time. Until next you time. Thank you so much.